0: Over the course of human history, history history. there's been Noah's Ark, Savior of Mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be Savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, Guardian Angel and Savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's arc with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's
1: Curtis Sliwa. Well, we got a little bit of good news. Good news for a lot of our listeners, Nancy. That first half-hour video program that we film in the studios of WABC for Red Apple Media is available to everybody?
2: Yes, that is um that is up and running and I definitely hope everyone checks it out and gives us um their feedback.
1: So how can people access it? This is the video component uh of what we do here at WABC and in our own lives for the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division. In addition to this one-hour animal welfare program that we do each week uh, on WABC radio, what what exactly uh, is the theme of the first episode uh, that you prepared for the people to watch?
2: Oh yeah, so the <clears throat> well, given like the inclement weather, obviously, uh, you know, we've been talking about the building of cat shelters and outdoor areas for maybe any of the Um, you know, wildlife that you're taking care of. So what we did was we brought in um, like a finished cat shelter that we had built ourselves, and then we brought in all the materials, and we went through step-by-step how it is that you can create the cat shelter, and, you know, I mean, and again, we did it in that time. So, you know, it shows how efficiently you can create it as well.
1: Wow. So every week we will have a half-hour video that people can watch on a different subject matter involving the animal community. And all you have to do is go to YouTube and go to the Red Apple Media section, and you will see it there every week, every Wednesday. There will be a a new episode up. In fact, episode number two, which is not up yet, uh, what specifically uh, was the topic matters that you covered?
2: Well, that will, um, you know, it's a little bit of like walking people through Uh, you know, some of the at-risk animals that we adopt out uh, from the city shelter. So, right, obviously, like the idea that the animals in the shelter, they have like this, uh, you know, inordinate like uh, just uh, tons of time and they can just wait for a happy home, and that's obviously not the reality. They euthanize them so quickly, and what we did is we really kind of, um, you know, we went into detail with uh, this very specific type of um, urgency list where people can you know adopt and then we went into the stories about that and that this was actually our first um, in-studio um, cat so we actually had a that's our first uh, live animal as well
1: our numbers one 800 that's 1-800-848-WABC Now, interesting, as uh, we have all been uh, craning our necks looking for balloons high in the sky, (laughs) trying to assume, are they Red Chinese? Are they Russian? Are they North Korean? Are they commercial balloons? Uh, You know, the whole world is fixated on looking up in the sky for objects, items, balloons. Other people have been scattered about Manhattan. I see that they're wearing these safari hats. They're wearing these, like, uh, Boy Scout uh, shorts. They have binoculars, and they keep going, whoop-a-whoop, whoop-a-whoop. <laughs> they're, tra- they're, they're, they're tracking Flacco who is a oh. owl. <laughs> He's an owl, and I, I grew up. My mother introduced me to owls at a very young age. That was my yeah. favorite animal. Remember the commercial, don't pollute, give a hoot.
2: Yeah, I do remember. That was the owl that wore the hat, too, right?
1: Yeah, I love the owls because owls are (laughs) nocturnal. And as you know, I've been nocturnal my whole life. And I just love the owls. And owls also are natural predators. of We talk about rats and mice and rodents. Boy, those rats and mice and rodents see an owl. They don't come anywhere near. I mean, they stay away. But why is this one particular owl? Uh, getting so much attention from so many bird watchers who have flooded into Manhattan around Central Park. And every day they are posting uh, these bird alerts on Flocko.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So this, uh, this is a a owl that was in the enclosure in the Central Park zoo. And it was tampered with. So I don't think they know yet, um, you know, who it was that tampered with it. But so basically this owl has escaped and it's, Living within Central Park, but they're hesitant about trying to capture it, like um, in any sort of aggressive way. So they're not trying to tranquilize uh, or you know net it or anything like that. So I I think what their approach was that at first, well, because they were able to track it, it's not going anywhere, and that it would eventually just be hungry, so it would uh, you know eventually walk its way back or fly its way back into to its enclosure. But it hasn't done that, so. Since it got out, it's been in Central Park, and obviously they've been watching it the whole time, so they haven't seen – supposedly they haven't seen the owl eat. And they're concerned that because it's been in the zoo and it's like you know basically domesticated that it lacks the ability to uh, hunt for food in the first place. So now that it's been like a week, now they have to start shifting their plan because waiting it out, that approach has not um, been successful. So now they have to be more aggressive.
1: It is incredible because somehow that owl, which has not uh, been in the wilds, is somehow eating. How could it have survived on its own, uh, you know, because they claim, oh, it won't be a predator. It won't go after mice and rats, which is the normal thing that owls survive on. It, it it hasn't been eating any food. So how has it survived?
2: You know what? That's that's hard to tell, right, because I'm not I'm not completely familiar with um like the physiology of owls. But I know in terms of um, cats, and I would assume this this probably holds true for lots of different animals, that when they're in a level of high stress, you'd be surprised. It's like they, they're able to, their body is manipulated in ways where their metabolism maybe is slower. They don't need as much food. So I imagine this owl is in high stress because it's not in its normal environment. And if it did have any natural instincts to um, hunt for food, I have a feeling that, that that's being messed with because uh, this owl is being watched. So I, I think if it moves, people move and things move. So I think this owl is in really high stress mode because of it's, it's being tracked.
1: Now, bird watchers, uh, you've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. We live right next to Central Park. You spend more time in the park than I do, but I've seen them from time to time. And they have the binoculars, I get that. And they like to be in the park because when the birds migrate from Canada down south, a lot of times they use Central Park as a layover, so to speak. They, they spend like a day there before they continue uh, their, their trip down south. But why the safari hats? I always wonder why do <laughs> bird watchers wear safari hats like they're in the middle of the Katamari uh, jungles?
2: I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I I would guess maybe just so that they can identify one another.
1: And why do they make that sound? Whoop-a-woo.
2: Whoop-a-woo. I don't know. You might be hearing things. I've never heard that sound, but I, I don't know. I mean, you, you have to ask them.
1: Now, uh, with the biggest uh, show just completed, the Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs nudged out a victory over the Eagles who crashed. Eagles crashed. But uh, part of the programming now for the Super Bowl, the most watched program of any all year long in the United States, is both the Puppy Bowl (laughs) and the Kitten Halftime Show. That wasn't part of it initially. I remember when I was first watching the uh, Super Bowl. you, You had very little of these entertainment things, but... What do they do in the Puppy Bowl, and what is the kitten halftime show about? Because I think most people were watching Rihanna on the stage with her dancers and not the kitten halftime show.
2: Well, yeah, so what they do is this is actually is something that plays um, prior to the start time of the Super Bowl, so this way you can catch everything. Although I think maybe some people would want to watch the kittens. I'm not sure. Um, but what this, the the whole premise of this is they're trying to showcase – Rescue groups and animals in need of rescue. So you know they formatted this uh, you know game where they have the puppies playing on this little mock field with a chew toy, and you know as they're entering the field, they're describing uh, you know about them because again these are all adoptable dogs and uh, the breeds of them, and then also they'll go into you know stories about the rescue groups that have them and where they're located and. Uh, you know, maybe like the focus of the rescue group. So, uh, I mean, it's actually really great because it showcases uh, over 100 adoptable animals. And then they have, like, when you go to the website, they'll list, like, oh, the, the reserves. So it's like it gives you ways to adopt Um, you know, other animals, even if the ones maybe that initially drew you there, you know, were adopted out. So, but it's really just, it's so adorable watching this thing. So then they have the kitty halftime, same concept. They show the little kittens running around, uh, playing on the little field, um, you know, wrestling with each other. They go into explanations, but I mean, it's actually really creative with the announcers they have for the game, the way they describe the plays. Like it's, it's definitely uh, entertaining to watch this thing.
1: Well, the Fox Network uh, had the uh, a license to do the Super Bowl event this year. But I saw that in some of the uh, initial advertisements, they kept promoting their show on the Fox Network that's uh, coming up, the Animal Control Show. What is that? Because we've discussed animal control sometimes in not the most positive ways as a place that provides shelters, especially in the five boroughs of the city of New York. And has uh, death rows for cats and dogs if they're not adopted. What, what, what exactly is the premise of this animal control show?
2: Well, I, I definitely think this is going to be more of a, a feel-good show than <laughs> than that reality. But uh, yeah, the goal is like to draw attention to animal issues, and I think the overall premise is like a pet detective type show. So, for instance, the way that um, you know the NYPD would investigate animal crimes in New York City. Uh this would be like the force of the law investigating uh, you know, crimes involving animals and it's you know it takes place within the context of like the the city shelters or, you know, but so again it's you know it's a good thing to bring attention to and you know, obviously it's done in a in a comical way, so it's not a an expose. So maybe that's a good way to, to draw people in, you know, just get their attention focused and then once they're paying attention then you can educate them on what's going on.
1: You know there's some people listening to us right now they don't have pets or animals uh they they're very much like our former president Donald Trump you know they just they don't have any animals they don't have any pets uh Kathy Hochul our governor uh, when she was running for office she never was with a pet neither was Eric Adams there are a lot of Americans who they don't have pets they don't have animals uh either living with them in their home or living outside in a feral capacity or even uh you know, in a farm-like capacity. So in this case, the fact that you have the Puppy Bowl and the Kitten Halftime Show as part of the Super Bowl, I think is getting across to incredible numbers of people that no matter what your politics is, no matter who you are in America, that that having animals actually brings people together when they, when they have such differences that divide them, that, that make them so partisan. Unwilling to talk to one another, I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen, people gathering up when they're walking their dogs, having conversations with people that normally they'd have nothing to do with because they so differ with one another politically. And we've seen that with cat lovers. Oh yeah,
2: I mean absolutely camaraderie um, among pet owners, and you know, obviously uh, understanding the the same stories and the same you know, types of uh, daily routines. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it it is something that, that really does unite people. And it's just, it's so joyful, right? Like there's, uh, when you're just seeing the animals run around and we're, you're seeing them happy, it's, you know, there's it, it, nothing else but joy that you feel, I think.
1: Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. I'm hoping that somebody out there at Bird Watcher will be able to explain to me when I've seen it in Jamaica Bay where a lot of bird watchers go because of the, all the birds, also that are stopping over in Jamaica Bay when they're migrating south for the winter. What that thing is when they go whoop a woo whoop a I mean, I, I've heard it. I'm not. I'm not hearing things. Now. see. I've heard a I few mean, of you, them do you that. You
2: might be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally rule that out. But whoop a
1: Anyway, let's go to the Bronx. We're not talking about uh, drive-by shootings. We're not talking about murders. We're not talking about uh, uh, robberies. We're not even talking about home invasions by thugs and thugettes. We're talking about home invasions by raccoons?
2: Yeah, this is um, actually a really... I don't even know how to explain. This is a really funny story. This woman is supposedly... She's being terrorized by these raccoons that are living outside of her apartment's uh, second floor window in the Bronx. And so what happened is they're lounging there. So they're using it as a place to sleep. And this window where they're sleeping next to is near her bedroom. So she's just actually scared of seeing them. So, you know, her concern is that because, Uh, You know, she's heard that, you know, raccoons can be dangerous and they they can carry rabies. She's been trying to uh, do things to keep them away. So um, like uh, spikes and uh, barbed wire and, you know, it's things that are very dangerous, but yet they keep coming back. So now, you know, since she's alerted her landlord and the landlord said, well, you know, make it where they can't they can't sleep there anymore, that they they can't mess there. So, you know, this is this is an example of, you know, these poor animals just being trespassers, like, everywhere that they go. I mean, this, this woman, like, she even acknowledges, like, oh, you know, I, I respect what they're doing. You know, they, they live a tough life like we do, just trying to survive and just trying to keep their head above water. I just don't want them sleeping next to my place. So <laughs> they're not littering. They're not using it as a, a bathroom. They're not leaving food. They're not having, you know, babies there. It's just... They're sleeping there, and that's enough that she wants
1: them out.
2: So they're they're basically
1: they're squatters.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the term she used, that they're squatters, and she doesn't want
1: them there. Raccoons in the Bronx. Now, I know there's always (laughs) been raccoons when I lived up in the Bronx. I lived uh, not far from Sedwick Avenue, so along the west side there near the Harlem River, I saw raccoons. Obviously, Van Cortlandt Park, uh, the biggest of all parks that extends from the Bronx right into Yonkers. I've seen raccoons there, but raccoons in an urban area. What do you think would drive a raccoon to walk onto a block which is filled with tenements, filled with people, and then all of a sudden become a squatter in those uh, tenements?
2: Well, I mean, this this instance, I would say it's just safety, right? So safety of where it is that they're trying to sleep because – This is what, um, you know, she's alleging that they're there during the nighttime and, you know, they come around to sleep. So, you know, her attempts to wake them up and scare them away aren't deterring them. They just go back to sleep and then they're gone. So they're not there all day long. So I think that's what it is. During the nighttime, you know, there's limited um, places that it's safe for them to sleep. And so they found a place where, I mean, let's face it, they're in a very safe spot between a window and no one else is there. They've occupied it. They've claimed it. So, you know, it's just a place to rest overnight and, you know, avoid uh, predators, I'm sure. But, you know, this is the, the problem that they face everywhere they go. I mean, they are at risk. I mean, they're at risk from people who just don't want to see them there.
1: Now, uh, let's discuss uh, Mayor Eric Adams, uh, because if you remember back on December 7th, He had said he had enough of the rats that were proliferating everywhere, the mice, the rodents. It's not his fault. It all happened during the lockdown and pandemic of uh, 2020 because there was no extermination uh, going on. Uh, Clearly, uh, the rats, the uh, mice, and the rodents were, like, growing in leaps and bounds. So nobody's blaming him. But he said he was going to appoint a rat czar. After discussion, uh, you uh, agreed to uh, allow me to devote even more hours uh, to being the rat are volunteer rats are at night from 10 at night to four in the morning uh, because rats, mice and rodents and uh, feral cats are nocturnal. Uh, as you remember, I volunteered, went out to his block that has a serious rat issue, still does in Lafayette Avenue and bed Uh, He welcomed us at first. He welcomed my volunteering as a rat czar, but has since uh, tabled the idea. But he keeps going into court arguing about these tickets he gets from the health inspectors because he doesn't do rat mitigation on his property. And he was in court again just the other day fighting uh, $1,200 worth of tickets. And I'm scratching my head and say, Guy, why don't you just pay the tickets and be done with it? Either that or sell the building. You're not living in the building, so just sell it. Uh, there are so many hipsters and millennials now that will do anything to live in bed It's considered a very hip-happening uh, millennial location. And yet he very stubbornly wants to argue the tickets, even though he's guilty, like a lot of people are who have property, of having rats on their property. What do you think is going in in his thought process?
2: Well, first of all, I mean, yeah, for for someone who, uh, you know, boasts that he doesn't like to, to kick the can of oh, responsibility, all he seems to be doing is blaming other people. So, you know, his last appearance in the court, um, he's talking about, oh, it's not because of me. It's because of my neighbor. And then he's bringing up, well, the entire block has a problem. So it's really not even, you know, my neighbor. It's the whole block. So um you know and he and then also supposedly he has you know done all this um rat um eradication now he also he said when he was in court that he has on his property two of those big um vats that he uses to to capture and drown them on his property now i didn't see them um during the times that i was there um but you know in this picture it shows this big green thing on the front of his property um, so that's but then he, and he also claims that he promises to produce going forward picture and video evidence. So he didn't bring that to court or rather at his virtual hearing. He didn't have it. But he's promising future pictures. I mean, that was the day to bring the pictures if you had them. So, again, I think what he could be doing is also besides trying to attack the problem like in a logical way, he might use this as a great example of how people who are regular people who maybe are experiencing this, this is like the level of bureaucracy. This is what you have to face in City Hall. This is how, you know, it goes when you're trying to challenge it. This is, like, he could really bring attention to the process as opposed to himself, but unfortunately it's all about him. So, yeah, I you don't know. know. He, he still has a rat problem.
1: It was interesting. We got a call the other day, both you and I, from a very influential person in New York who lives on 111th Street, has lived there for a while, and uh, discovered that she had feral cats in the back of the property she was living in, and she has started to take care of the feral cats. And because of that, they don't have a rat, mouse, or rodent problem. Yet one block over, on 112th, yeah. they have a serious rat, mice, and rodent problem. What do you think it is about people? that when they have been confronted with evidence about how feral cats can keep the population of rats and mice at bay, they just want to argue it. They just want to keep using pesticides and poisons.
2: You know what? um, It it might be this idea that uh, a quick fix, right? Oh, I'm going to throw something down and the problem goes away. But obviously that doesn't work. And, you know, people who are going through this, they recognize that, okay, they're doing this again and again and again, and the problem is surfacing. Now, at what point the tipping scale is they're concerned about their own personal safety because of the level of poisons they're putting down in their own area? I mean, that's going to be a personal preference, but I would think most people would try to strive to do things that – you know, are healthiest. And again, you're putting stuff on your property. You don't know how long it's going to stay in the land if it's going into the soil itself. I mean, I I just, I don't see how that could be. And again, it's proven again and again that it's not successful. Now, when you have the cats there, they're constant. So as opposed to this, um, you know, sort of a, Um, poison that for a moment might be really strong and kills them right there at the moment but then everyone comes back after it's gone the cats are there all the time they live there so they're the constant they're what keeps them at bay so you know there's there's more of a plan of action that has to be involved with it but I think what's really great is there's a lot of people who are already doing it so more often than not if you are interested in doing it you probably can reach out to someone who can help assist you in doing it you wouldn't have to do it by yourself
1: Exactly. Uh, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc When we come back, we'll be taking your calls. Again, you may want to write this down. We have a new opportunity for all of you to actually now watch a half-hour edition of the Animal Welfare Show starring my wife, Nancy. Uh, it's uh, on YouTube. Just go to YouTube. It's uh, the Red Apple Media. You find the Red Apple Media link. And you'll see Nancy and myself, there's one um, one episode already uh, that is available to you about making the cat houses for the, car- the feral cats. Nancy takes you through all the steps. And then episode two will be available to you on Wednesday. So every Wednesday, expect a new video episode in addition to all the animal welfare shows that we've done on radio, Sundays 11 or 12. If you've missed any of them, you can go to the podcast. It's a special animal welfare podcast at wabcradio.com. That's wabcradio.com.
3: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at HannahAnderson.com.
0: The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Art with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa. Here's Curtis Sliwa.
1: Let's go right to the phones, uh, Nancy, uh, to uh, Paulie, who's calling from Paramus, New Jersey. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Paulie.
0: Hey, Curtis, what's going on?
1: Yeah, you tell me. Apparently, you're interested in owning a pet.
0: Well, I was thinking about it, but, nah, because then I got to take care of somebody, and I don't want to be, like,
4: owner of somebody. I don't want to own somebody. I don't mean be like a slave owner, you
5: know?
2: You well, can always I wanted foster if you want to. You could foster. This way it's not a a, a permanent thing. Yeah. What, what, you just got to pay? Yeah. No, no. When you foster the animals from the shelter, what they do is they provide you with the food and the supplies, and you're just basically giving them the home and socializing them until they until they do get adopted out.
1: Explain that. I think a lot of people, uh, I was never aware of that, that that's what shelters will do, is that they will actually put the uh, cats or dogs or other animals almost in a form of foster care.
2: Yeah, like if you sign up to be a foster, what they'll do is, um, you know, they'll, um, when there's an animal and they have a space issue, if you're willing to keep the, um, the animal in your home, then you're holding on to it as they're continuing to showcase the picture and try to get adopted out and supplying with you the food and supplies, whatever the animal needs. Um, And then, you know, when the animal gets adopted out, then this way you relinquish uh, it over to the new owner. So, you know, it's not a permanent thing, but you're basically giving them a chance when they might have run out of space.
1: Let's go to Stan in Brooklyn. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Stan.
2: Good evening, Nancy.
3: Good evening, Curtis for a short time I worked with an exterminator and to get rid of some of these little animals that are pesty, you spray peppermint oil. These animals don't like it. The rats don't like it. And I suspect raccoons and those other animals do not like
1: it. Peppermint oil?
3: Spray spray peppermint oil. You can mix it with water and just put it in a spray bottle.
1: Have you ever heard of that, Nancy?
2: You know what? It's interesting. Um, I think that this woman with the raccoons thing said something about maybe not peppermint, a different one. Maybe she had the wrong one, but, yeah, I think she had the wrong one. But I've heard oil. I didn't realize. That's a great idea. That's a great idea.
1: Or you could put the lime in the coconut. (laughs) Maybe that'll do it. Does that work? Anyway, let's go to Hannah in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Hannah.
6: Hi Curtis, hi Nancy. I called you before about my cat. Remember about the HPCA? Yes. Remember I told you? Yes, I'm I remember. My dog. Remember. Yes. My dog. Um, I have a I have a great idea. You know how the city loves animals, right? Dogs and cats and stuff, and they have a lot of animal rights. I noticed that there is a, a disease called leptospirosis, where dogs, you know, eat, um when they lick. A rat rodent's piss, they could actually get killed. So if there's so many New Yorkers who love animals like dogs and cats, why can't they say that, you know what, Uh, we we want a cure for the Uh, uh, to stop the rodent's piss, because their dogs, you know, and their cats sometimes walk outside, like I walk my cats too. If they lick it, they'll kill them because there's a lot of New Yorkers who love cats and dogs.
1: Wait a second, Hannah. You said you walk your cats? Yes. Now, how do you do that? Explain that.
6: Um, I put my cats in a harness. There is such thing as a cat harness. And we walk to the park. And, you know, because um, my cats are all from, they were feral cats. And they became domesticated. And I I kept them. And I have 12 of them and two dogs in my house.
1: Now what do what do people uh, say when you're in the Bronx and you're walking cats mm-hmm. out in the street like you would a dog?
6: Well, I live in the South Bronx and some people make fun of me. They know me as a cat lady. Um, <laughs> I dress my cat. Yeah, I dress my cats, and I dress my dogs and we walk out and they they said, Oh my god, that's that's different. Um, but what I do is I make my own T-shirts, and I about like, you know, issues about animals, not to put them down. To, oh, that's
5: you know, so to
6: cool. Yeah, so, like, when they say, oh, what a cute cat. And then when they see the T-shirt, they read it, they say, oh, my God, As in, I did not know we could foster animals in the shelter. Wow. Well, that's, that's
1: great. So that's great. That is yeah. abs- that's that's abs- that's abs- absolutely can- great, can- Hannah.
6: tell you, you really are an awesome lady. I'm <laughs> really, I'm inspired by you. And I, I, I wish you you were running for mayor. Um, <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs>
1: well, now, hold on a second, Hannah. If given the choice, if I was running for mayor or Nancy was running for mayor, who would you vote for? Curtis.
6: Uh, I have to say Nancy. <laughs> All right, okay, right. I'll take it. A good question. Yeah.
1: Good question, Curtis. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hannah would vote for you, Nancy. I have a feeling a lot of people would vote for you. I feel the wave coming, Curtis. By the way, uh, we were talking about um, uh, the uh, flus and uh, all the viruses and all the sicknesses that animals can uh, get. We, we have another update on that. Wild ducks have been found dead in a stream in Maine, and they tested positive for bird flu. This bird, oh. this bird flu seems to be like traveling in the ether all over the country.
2: Well, I mean, the, the, and right there's the problem, um, you know, because they have uh, migration patterns, and then think how many different levels of predators they have. So, uh, you know, I mean, it can go everywhere so quickly.
1: Wow. That's, that's sad. That's Wild ducks sad. found dead in a stream in Maine. Test positive for bird flu. Now, the problem is they're going to go around collecting the fowl assuming that these ducks had the contact with other fowl, other birds, and in order to uh, preserve the species, they end up killing like thousands of them in order to try to eliminate the spread of the virus. And you say to yourself, well, maybe we ought to put more effort into trying to develop uh, medicines or inoculations for the animal community.
2: I mean, look how quickly, uh, you know, they were able to, you know, forge ahead and, and come up with, you know, COVID, um, you know, vaccines. And here we have these things. Uh, I don't know how many animals need to be slaughtered before they start investing in bird flu medicine, because that can't be an acceptable solution that they'll just kill them. That, that can't be OK. I mean, that, that's really the problem, that it's OK at this point.
1: Let's go to Greg, calling all the way from Kentucky. Your turn to be heard here uh, on the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. Greg, good evening, guys. I really
7: appreciate your show, and it's a pleasure to speak with you. I was wondering if you have had either one of you guys, or you know anyone uh, credible, who has had any experience uh, with either animal communicators or animal psychics or whatever they they might be calling themselves, um, and whether you know, I'm very skeptical of it, but I've also heard stories, and I know some people who. They swear by some, some of these psychics.
1: So that would mean, I'm trying to uh, sort of uh, imagine what this looks like. You mean animals would gather up, Greg, and have a Ouija board?
7: I would hope not the Ouija board, because that's kind of evil. Uh, you know, they, they, you got to watch out with Ouija boards. But <laughs> supposedly, <laughs> I mean, they communicate. I, I would say more, maybe it's more of an animal communicator. Um, well, I, I, some think, sensitivity I, think, yeah, to- I
1: think my wife is an expert. I've seen her communicate with cats. That she's able to communicate with them. They don't listen to me, but she has a way of talking to them or at least making noises that they react to. Uh, Nancy, what is it that you do that these cats actually communicate with you and they ignore me?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's, yeah, I'm not sure if this, Exactly to the point of the question, if you're looking for that. But what I do is just, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like the language they have, right? Cats know the tones. Cats know. I mean, they do know the difference between when you're talking to them, when you're not. So I think that if you can, yeah.
7: But I I don't want to interrupt you, but but what I mean is, I mean, I talk to my cats, and I think I have a real honestly have a good relationship with my cats. Yeah. But there's some behavioral issues and things that I can't quite get a handle on. And sometimes some people have sworn by these animal communicators to come in and and they somehow they can read. I don't want to say read their minds, but the, the animal, they have a sensitivity to what beyond what I certainly have. And I love my animals and I know they love me. But well,
1: well, Greg, uh, we
7: don't talk at that level.
1: I have to <laughs> recuse myself because I've been known to talk to myself often. <laughs> And the and notice, uh, Nancy, uh, the cats actually walk away from me when I'm having a conversation with myself. Yes, they do. Our number is 1-800-848-9222.
3: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around
2: every corner kia movement that inspires
5: call 800-333-4kia for
2: details always drive safely limited inventory available warranties include 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain and five-year 60,000 mile basic warranties are limited see retailer for details
0: the curtis Sliwa show presents curtis's arc with nancy sliwa now with nancy sliwa here's curtis
1: Sliwa. To the uh, heartland of America, the Buckeye State we go, Ohio. And, Mike, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Mike.
4: Good evening, Curtis and Nancy and all listening. Um, and tell Hannah she's not the only one that has walked cats with little harnesses. My question is, I've got a, a feral I've adopted a couple of outside cats before. They were easy enough to adopt. This one I'm trying this one's about half team. I think it may have been in a, a trap-neuter-release program because the top of its left ear, the tip of its left ear is flat. It looks like someone might have nipped the end of the ear off. Yeah. And out of the four ferals that came around that followed the neighbors new adopted cat over to the over into the business only this one is there now. And she she sits around the building. I mean, she'll sit right next to the door. She'll sit right in front of the building. But I'm trying to get her to come into the building at night and basically adopt her and get some shots and stuff in her. And I'm wondering if she was not a trap, neuter, or release program. I mean, she's friendly. I can touch her and stuff. I could pet her on the head and stuff in the last week or so. Any takes yeah. on that?
2: Yeah, the ear strikes me as yes. Um, that uh, because that's like the, that's what they do here. Uh, they ear tip the cats when they um, you know fix them, and they are outdoor cats. Now, if it, it, it's definitely a, a female cat,
1: Mike. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a female cat. It
4: yeah, is a female.
2: And how long has it been like hanging around?
4: Well, what had happened was the neighbors got adopted one, and it, they let it outside because it kills rats. Okay. And uh, so then as she came. The neighbors cat came in, and then I seen four other strays come in. I tried to. I start. I I was giving some food to two of them because they were twin tuxedos, and I think yeah. they were out of the same litter. And then over the last couple of weeks, that one and a. A third cat just sort of disappeared, and the only one that's been around. Her, I mean, she's sitting there waiting for me and everything. I make sure even on, on the, even on Saturday and Sunday I get in there to give her some food and stuff. And she'll hang around and stuff, but she'll she'll come into the building some, but not like you could get her to come in easy. And I'm getting to the point where I can, you know, pet her and stuff on the head and and on the flanks and on the back and stuff. Yeah. And, I'll get a little batting sometimes, but not not
2: too. Yeah, it's um. I mean, and it could just be too, right? So, I mean, my my guess would be the ear means you know that it it is a fixed cat, and obviously with it being a female, if you know you if you are unsure, you know catching it, but it would get usually get pregnant pretty quick. So that's why I was kind of like asking the timeline because if it's outside for any degree of time, chances are this cat will you know will get pregnant. Um, ASAP so you'll know pretty quickly whether or not it's fixed Um, but if it's if the cat's hesitant to go indoors you could also create like a little shelter right by the door and this way sort of it encourages the cat like oh this is your home right here and then that could be that sort of next step where okay then next I'll go inside but you know until I'm comfortable I'll stay out here
1: let's go to Glenn who's calling from Queens welcome to the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC Glenn
8: Yeah, howdy. Curtis, Nancy, got a quick question for you. I have a 125-pound monster dog, and I regularly travel with him in my truck. I was wondering what your advice would be if I get pulled over by law enforcement. Like, my friends can't walk my truck without him, like, you know, muscling up and growling at him sometimes. You know, and he knows these people. I'm wondering if, like, an aggressive cop would try to, you know, whatever, just talk a lot of shit and yell at me. Oops, excuse the language.
1: Go ahead, go uh, ahead. The cops cops don't do anything anymore. They don't even arrest people. They don't even pull people over uh, and uh, ask them Uh, for their license and Uh, registration. It's (laughs) So that they don't let the, they don't let the cops do their job anymore. Why do you think a cop would take it upon themselves to look at your big dog, hundred and twenty pound dog, and say, you know, I'm going to pull that guy over. I, I want to have a conversation with that dog.
8: Well, you know what's funny was that I had a loiterer outside the house, and he was just talking to the the wind around him. And I just walked outside, and I just stood next to him with my dog. And there was a cop across the street who did nothing for three hours probably. And mental patient was hanging out with a stolen city bike and all his belongings on his back. And I just walked out with my dog. And next thing you know, the cop came over to me after three hours of watching him sitting there doing nothing. And he said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm walking my dog. But no, you're trying to start something here. Oh
2: my I mean, goodness!
8: Gotta be kidding me!
1: Yeah. Wow, man and his dog. Wow. Quest- Questioned by five zero. Unbelievable. By the way, for everybody out there, you now have an opportunity to watch Nancy and myself once a week, courtesy of WABC. They have a YouTube channel. You go to Red Apple Media and you'll see the half hour animal welfare show that we do every Wednesday and so every Wednesday there will be a new episode the first uh, episode which is available right now Nancy what is it you're instructing people on what to do
2: oh how to um how to make an outdoor cat shelter uh you know uh, from materials that you can buy at, like a local hardware store and you know pretty affordably and certainly quickly, within 30 minutes.
1: Let's go, if we can, to Robin, who's calling from Brooklyn. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Robin.
3: Hello, Nancy and Curtis. I spoke to you last week, Nancy and Curtis. I have a cat, my mother and I. And, Nancy, you had said that vitamin supplements were important to give to our cat. But the only thing was you didn't say what supplements or vitamins to give to her her name's Effie and she's seven years
2: old okay um, yeah so uh, so for instance I use um high it's like nutritional gels so for instance I use one it's a brand it's uh, Tomlin and it's called like high calorie nutritional gels so that's what I would put into anything that's a soft food for them
1: Now, what is, uh, how do you spell that, uh, Nancy?
2: Uh, Well, it's T O M L Y N.
1: T O M, like Tom, and then the last three letters. L Y
2: N. L Y N.
1: Okay, and that you apply to their food
2: yeah it looks like it's um almost like a tube like um, a toothpaste tube. It's like you know a, a tube of uh, gel where you basically put like the equivalent of like a teaspoonful and you would mix it in with the food and that's like a nutritional supplement to try to boost uh you know any sort of a nutrients they can get
1: Let's go if we can to Gina in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare edition of WABC Gina.
3: Hi, Nancy and Curtis. You know, I used to take these tours in Central Park, and they used to the guide used to warn us not to feed any animals because they get aggressive. And on the break, I had a peach in my hand, and a sparrow just attacked my peach, and I I gave it to him like a, I said, "You bold little New Yorker!" You know. So, um, I'm thinking of uh, the owl. I think he's going to learn by his cohorts in the forest there. And he's going to get his food, not to worry about him.
2: Yeah, right. Actually, that's a good point, because if you watch the pigeons long enough, and they're always around that area, you'll pick up really quickly what to do.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was my experience, that little bow, New York sparrow. He stole my peach. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Now, when you were there, uh, did you accompany bird watchers, uh, uh, Gina?
3: No, but if you're talking about that, whoop woo, woo, I've heard that. <laughs> I, I, if they always look kooky, the the bird watchers that they depict on old TV, and they're always they were always saying that, Curtis.
1: Wow, so you 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 did like I did here, uh, bird watchers go whoop whoop
3: whoop whoop. I, I think I think they were told somewhere, uh, like in a bird watching class. That
1: that would attract birds. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, When I was in Mexico, they have these birds they call Santana. It's not after Carlos Santana, no. And they're perched up in the uh, trees, Nancy. Okay. And if they see somebody with blonde hair, uh, a boy or a girl or a man or a woman, they attack the person's hair. They're attracted to blonde hair. Brown hair, black hair, no no hair, baldies, no. But if they see blonde hair, they just come down and they swoop and they just, like, try to sort of take the hair. Yeah. They're called Santanas. Yeah. No relationship, uh, I might add, to Carlos (laughs) Santana. But now, if people are interested in continuing the conversation and continuing uh, the exchange of information, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Uh, well, you can visit uh, guardianangels.org and go to the animal protection tab, or you can email me directly at nancy@guardianangels.org. At
1: and remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you now have a different way of accessing assessing your uh, animal welfare program. You have the hour program here in radio form. If you've missed any, Sunday nights, 11 or 12, you can go to wabcradio.com and see all the animal welfare programs podcast featuring Nancy, or now you can see something completely different in video form. Once a week, we post them on Wednesdays through the WABC YouTube uh, station, uh, and you just go to the Red Apple Media thread, and you'll get a half hour worth of video. In this case, Nancy teaching people how to make uh, the the houses for the feral cats. So we're going to continue to uh, keep providing you more information in the video form and here in our audio form on the radio, because we got to continue to take care of our furry little friends and family members, Nancy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, As always, a pleasure being on. All right. Do appreciate that, Nancy. Up next, Dominic Carter, who uh, still is in the morning sitting shiver, for the loss of his dog, that's not Beyoncé, I, that? I forget the name of his dog that he is in, uh, Dolce. Imagine all this time, Nancy, and he is still mourning the loss of his beloved dog, Dolce.
2: Wow. I know.
1: I understand. Well, uh, hopefully I can convince him to go to the shelter and for his family. He's got a son and a daughter and his wife and maybe find a dog that you need, uh, you can never replace Dolce. People know what uh, I'm talking about, but maybe by having another animal, he won't uh, be so depressed.
0: New York's talk station with the king of New York, about- Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa.
5: Let's go, Brand. I keep draw my comic
1: you like. to have seen uh, President uh, Joe Biden's wife, Jill, at the Super Bowl actually dancing to this song, Let's Go Brandon, which was played uh, during the halftime uh, as uh, as uh, Rihanna was being escorted off the Super Bowl field. This, this song was being played. Did you hear it? Interesting. It's a top 40 song now, a dance song all across the nation. Uh, a lot of people say, is that the term that they used to make fun of President Joe Biden? Instead of F you, uh, they said, let's go, Brandon. Right. I- I'm not sure. It's a damn good song, right? I mean, I get up. I'd be dancing like a world of dervish. But since we're talking about um, President Joe Biden, he has this phrase that he always uses. You having played football, maybe you can explain to me what the hell he's talking about.
0: Now, some members here are threatening, and I know it's not an official party position, so I'm not I'm going to exaggerate, but threatening to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. As my coach, that's okay. That's fair. As my football coach used to say, lots of luck in your senior year. Make no mistake. If you try anything to raise the cost of receiving jobs, I will veto it.
1: Now, Dominic, uh, I never made it through my senior year, as you knew. I got kicked to the curb by the Jesuits at Brooklyn Prep, and I never looked back. So I, I have no way to relate to this. What does this mean? As
5: my football coach used to say, lots of luck in your senior year. What it really means is that uh, if you're a freshman, a junior, a sophomore, or I should say a freshman, a sophomore, and a junior, what it means is that, son, go sit down on the bench. You're not really going to play this year. Good luck in your senior year. Uh, It, it? it, It means it's almost like what happened to Michael Jordan when he tried out for the team in high school and the coach cut him. That's the equivalent.
1: Ah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. The Dominic Carter, super sports spectacular. <laughs> Let me take you back to the time when you were on the gridiron on a regular basis, uh, and you were playing as a youngster in the Bronx. We have now a Bronx assemblyman. Uh, his name is Steve Benedetto up from uh, the Throgsneck Neck area. <laughs> Says for a lot of years he wanted to ban Pop Warner football, and now he has a supermajority. Uh, in the assembly with a super majority as a co sponsor from the state senate, a super majority there, and they're moving to ban pop warner football. I guess that's anywhere from like 8 to 12 years old. Uh, you played a lot of football in your time, uh, tackle football. Uh, are you in favor of that or opposed?
5: I, I can understand the concerns that are being raised, but I, on a personal level, for me, my family, my kids, my grandkids. I'm against it. I firmly believe, with all my heart, that football is not just about football. It's about discipline. It's about teaching young men uh, how to overcome adversity to go forward. And so, I, I'm of the belief that uh, that football is not a bad thing. But I understand the concern about parents and and their children's uh, health. So to to give you an example, I'm trying to encourage my grandson now to play organized Pop Warner football, but he's not really interested.
1: Mm. Yeah, like my three sons. You know what they told me? What? Oh, you mean soccer? (laughs) What has happened to our country? Good old-fashioned smash-mouth American football. I mean, that's... That's part of our DNA, right? Yes, yes. And you tell a great story, and you've told it many times. And, uh, I mean, keep telling the story how your coach, a white guy, was an off-duty police officer. Yeah,
5: you have a good memory. Oh, because you said, boy, he was such a great role model for me and my friends. He was. Uh, To understand football is to understand, in my case, how a white New York City police officer kept about 50 African-American and Puerto Rican uh, uh, uh maybe I should say latino young men out of jail out of jail because he organized us kept us on the football field right across uh, McCombs park when it was the other yeah. it was on the other side of Yankee stadium you know and uh we would play there, the Jaguars football team. And, Curtis, it was really an outstanding, wonderful experience. Now,
1: did he ever do what uh, my coaches used to do with me all through my uh, career of playing football until they kicked me out of Brooklyn Prep? What,
5: what position did you play? Uh,
1: I played uh, outside linebacker at 150 okay. pounds. The guards would be pulling, and they would turn me into a speed bump. And I played flanker. But the coach would be in the locker room and say, you know, Everybody came here and they're in good health, and let's hope after the game they go back home in good health. And then I'd be coming in off the field, crackbacking, you know, because they were running, they were running routines in which they were, they were lateraling the uh, the football to the halfback who was trying to go around end. And he goes, Slewak, I don't care if you have to break that guy's leg, you got to stop him or we're going to lose this game, right?
5: I can't. How do you do that and make sure he goes home in one piece? You just go through him.
1: (sighs) Dominic Carter up next.